Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Xavier Small, and I am a licensed therapist. I'm also the counseling pastor here at Earlsdale. If you know me, you know my story. Um, I love the dichotomous role that I'm in of being able to be both a therapist and a pastor. So I get to give you some psychology and some sociology, um, and then also um, infuse it with the Word of God. And I'm so excited. Well, I'm going I'm to I'm 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 run that back. I get to give you some Bible and then infuse it with some therapy, right? And so super stoked about that. Uh, uh, if, you, if this is your first time, what you missed last week was we started um, healthy communication, healthy communication. And the whole goal is for us to spend eight weeks just talking through how to have healthier relationships. Now, if anyone asks you about the class, know the class is not just about romantic relationships, okay? Know that, it's about platonic ones. And platonic relationships are not just going to be, right? I mean, relationships aren't just couples relationships. Relationships also um, are, are, are your kids and, and your neighbors and your extended family and your coworkers. Um, and so we're here to talk about relationships as a whole. I hope that the last time uh, was able to be a blessing to you. And we're only going to get deeper as we get going. If you look at your bifold, you'll notice that I gave you way less information on it and a lot more lines. What does that tell you? All right. <laughs> we're going to have a pretty weighty day today. Um, and so what we're talking about today is healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. And so like I've been telling you before, what we're going to do is we're going to split it up into two parts where I'm going to put on my pastor's hat and talk to you about some things from the word of God. And I'm going to take my pastor hat off and I'm going to put my therapist hat on. And we're going to talk about some practical ways that you can apply this. All right. If you remember what I said last week is that if you can learn to be a good communicator, you got the most important part of this entire series. Right. Um, and, and, and furthermore, if you can become an active listener, you've gotten the most important part of the most important series, of, uh, lesson of the entire series, okay? And so everything else moving forward is gonna be bonus. So we're gonna go ahead and ask God for his help, and then I'm gonna put my pastor hat on, and we're gonna see what the word of God has to say about establishing healthy boundaries. So let's pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son, uh, for the finished work on the cross. Uh, we thank you that you are an intentional God. And I'm thankful that you take time in your word to outline different ways that we can be better stewards of the relationships around us uh, for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you'd meet with us now. Um, anoint my lips in the study. I pray that if this is something that someone really, really needs to hear, that they would hear it, um, that you would remove all distractions. Um, and I pray that uh, for the person who may not need this right now, but may need it later, I pray that you would just, uh, again, be able to bless this time, this study, um, and that it'd be able to minister grace to the hearers. God, we're going to give you all the honor and glory for it all in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the pastor hat is on first. We're going to go ahead and jump right into it. If you're taking notes, number one, how to have healthy boundaries. Consider yourself before you consider others. Now, this is going to sound weird, right? Because for most of us, our Christian lens says God first, others second, right? You last. And how many of us grew up that way? God first, others second, you last. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respectfully disagree with that. I'm going to show you from scripture why I believe that uh, to be true. We're going to look at some scripture, of course, right? Galatians 6, 5 says, for every man shall bear his own burden. In Galatians 6, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about a very popular verse, which is to bear, uh, to bear each other's burdens, 
right? And which is a great thing. We should be able and should want to be able to bear each other's burdens, but it's going to be important for us to realize that you have to bear your own burden before you can bear the burdens of others, right? If there is something in your cup and you're feeding someone from that cup or providing nourishment from someone from that cup, well, then great, right? But that's going to leave you empty. But what if you fill your cup up and you feed them from that? I mean, it's a little better, but eventually you'll still be empty. What I want to challenge you to do is to begin to feed people from the overflow. You ever realize that they put a saucer under your, under your coffee cup when you go to a restaurant? That's for the spillage, right? But we're not trying to spill. We want the cup. As a matter of fact, that's what David said in the Psalms, right? My cup runneth over. That's where we want to operate from, that cup running over. And so it's important for you to realize that you have to bear your own burden. Your, your burden sets you up, bearing your burden sets you up for bearing the burdens of others. For bearing the burdens of others. When you work out, sometimes you may not be strong enough to do a squat with weights on it, right? You may not be able to do a 150-pound squat or, or a 200-pound squat. So they'll usually tell you to start with what? Who knows? If you want to start squatting, what should you start with? You t who, who said that? Say it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Huh? Your body weight. 10 points to Gryffindor. Your body weight, right? You have to be, will, be able to squat your own body weight, and then once you can do that and do that in a healthy way with good and proper form, then you start with the bar. Then you add five pounds, and then next thing you know, five pounds becomes 50 pounds, becomes 100 pounds, right? And so we have to be able to bear our own burden because it helps you to bear the burdens of others. On the other side of the spectrum, if you can't bear yours, then you can't bear others. If you can't bear yours, then you can't bear others. And for so many of us, we are working really hard to bear the, other, the burdens of others when we don't have anything to even give ourselves. One time, this is the only time that I can remember ever having a fever, but it was earlier this year, and I woke up. Uh, uh, Rowan was sick that week, um, and then Kalea came down with a fever, 100-degree fever, right? And the next morning, I woke up, and I felt like I was dying. And I, I checked the thermometer, and it said 103. First time that I ever had a fever that I can remember. And if that's what that feels like, I don't ever want that to ever happen uh, ever again. And you know what happened? It was so hard to take care of Rowan. I'm not sure how toddlers do it. They can have a fever, be sick, and still run around and have a great time. And I could not get off the sofa until 1 p.m. every day until my body had enough strength to get up and have some applesauce. So being able to take care of my toddler felt like a mountain. Why? Because I could barely take care of myself, right? Getting the strength to be able to get into the bathtub for a shower, or the strength to get up and brush my teeth, standing felt like the world was on my shoulders. And I can give you examples all day, but the point is this, is that if you can't bear your own burden, it will not be long before not only can you not bear the burdens of others, but you won't be able to do anything for yourself either. Consider yourself before you consider others. Matthew 12, verses 30 through 31, it says this, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
There is none other commandment greater than these. So this is my second point about this, is that you have to realize that loving yourself is the standard for loving others. Does that make sense? Pastor, what do you see that? And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as what? Finish it. Which means that your standard for loving others is based on the, on the way that you love yourself. So again, we look at it on the other side of the spectrum. If you are someone who is struggling to love yourself, then what reference point do you have for loving others? None. You don't have a reference. Which means that many times, not all the time, but many times our ability, we, if we're finding that we're having a difficulty loving others, try taking an introspective look on how much am I loving myself. Now, from a humanistic perspective, that's going to be error. Don't love yourself. Love God. Love others. Yeah, but we're myth that's, not the entire, that's not the entire piece of the pie. Is that in order for you to be able to love others, you have to have a healthy view of what it means to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, there's no way that you can love others. Right? So, there we go. Next passage. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. I just want to show you guys that I'm not making stuff up. I'm showing it to you from the scriptures. Ephesians 5, 28, 29, or what I've come to look at as the wedding passage. Right? So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So what does that show us? Is that men are supposed to love their wives as their own what? Read it. As their own bodies, right? For no one ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth his flesh. He cherishes his flesh, which means that, guess what? I have to be able to, number one, love me. I have to be able to nourish me, so feed me, right, uh, or, or, or give me drink. But I also have to be able to cherish me. I have to take, I take time to make sure that I spray my locks every day so that they don't get dry and flaky. I take a shower, and I brush my teeth, and I iron and press my clothes. I put on the cologne that my wife bought me. I got clean socks, and I pull my shoes out of the box. Why? Because I care about my presentation. And if I care about the way that I carry myself, that is now going to be the standard by which that I care for others. He didn't say love your wife as whoever else. He says love your, your wife the way that you love yourself. The way that you nourish yourself, the way that you cherish yourself so that you can love her, you can cherish her, you can nourish her. And so if you are putting the focus first on how you view you, then you can affectionately do better with how you view others. Do you see what I'm saying? Why it's important to consider yourself? Because you have the ability, you have to have the ability to take care of yourself. And if you can't take care of yourself, you don't cherish yourself. You cannot effectively nourish and cherish others. So boundaries starts first and foremost with you. How you treat yourself is the standard by which you treat others. I have a great quote here by doctors Allison Cook and Kimberly Miller. As you grow in putting your thoughts and feelings to work for your highest good, you'll know what to do when you feel overwhelmed. You'll move from anger to advocacy, from shame to joy, and your inner critic will become your champion. That's from a book called Boundaries for Your Soul. 
And they start the book off with saying, we struggle with setting boundaries with others because you haven't even set boundaries with yourself. Important. Important. You have to do that. You have to be able to start with you. That's the most important part of this lesson today. I keep giving it to you first. I should make it last so you don't check out. But it's the most important part. You have to consider yourself before you consider others. All right. Now it's time for me to get all up in your business. Number two, know your place. Know your place. You want to get good at having good boundary settings? Know your place. Proverbs 25, 17 says this. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be wary of thee, and so hate thee. Let's break this down. Number one, stay out of people's house. Stay out of people's house. Now, this is both physically and figuratively. Why? Because when, when we deal with this, when, when this comes up, it lets us know something that we, the other way is to mind your business. Pastor, what do you mean? We have to learn to stay out of spaces we have not been invited to. Some of us struggle because I use this expression all the time, right? But we bring, we try to, we, we, uh, we bring the horse to the water, and if the horse doesn't drink the water, then we struggle with the horse. We try to force the horse's head into the pond so that they can, the horse can drink it. And that's not going to be effective. Based on this passage, we'll see that you'll wear out your welcome. You'll wear out your welcome. And then that person will develop a hatred and a resentment toward you. That's what it says, right? Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be wary of thee and so hate thee. We're overstaying our, wake, our welcome, stepping in spaces that we haven't been invited to, and then we wonder why there is turmoil in that relationship. We see that people start getting tired of you because you're infringing on their spaces. Tolerance becomes hatred very quickly. Being in spaces you're not invited to will inevitably burn bridges and have adverse effects on what you're trying to actually do. There was someone that I was, uh, that I was working with and they were making a bunch of the bad choices. Just a bunch of bad choices. A bunch of bad choices. And I started to feel myself vicariously trying to push this person in the right direction. And, and, so, and something that happens, especially as a therapist, is there are many times where I beat my client to the conclusion. Right? So I, 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 might, I might know where they need to go or where this needs to head, where, this, where they need to be headed in order for this to be effective, for them to have the growth that's needed for them to grow. Um, but I have to wait for them to get there because I can't tell you, hey, you need to go ahead and do this or leave that guy or, you know what I'm saying? I can't do that. I have to say, I'm going to be a mirror for you. I'm going to hold your hand as you walk through this process, even though I've already been there. But for this one person who wasn't a client, uh, but I try to apply the principle to all the areas of my life, I kept pushing this person and pushing this person. And I was getting irritated with the person and angry with the person because they weren't doing what I felt was the right thing for them to do. And inevitably was the right thing for them to do, but they weren't making that choice themselves. And I actually had to go to that person and apologize and say, I'm so sorry. I've been trying to be something in your life that you did not give me permission to be. And I'm going to step back and respect the boundary. And that person said, thank you. I appreciate that. So it's important for us to be able to read the room. 
Because that person never came to me and said, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. But the spirit was like, and I was actually listening to a podcast and they said something about that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm all up in this girl's house and she didn't even invite me in here. And, 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 and because of that, I was wearing out my welcome. And sometimes the best things we can do, if we want to solve, it depends on your approach. Do you want to salvage the relationship or do you want to be right? Because many of us want to be right, so we'll say, hey, it might cost me you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it to you like it is. Great. But sometimes it requires us to take a step back and say, I'm going to go ahead and let you just do what you're doing. Or not, and I can't stay. But pushing people in a direction that they don't want to go is not going to be effective for you. It's going to have adverse effects. Stay home. Stay home. Learn to stay in your own house. Sometimes whenever someone, um, people will ask me things and ask my opinion, I'll say, do you want the truth or do you want me to lie to you? And no one really wants you to lie to them. But I mean, do you want me to just give you the cordial answer that's going to make you feel good or do you actually want my opinion? And if my opinion is going to hurt your feelings, are you prepared for that? And sometimes people are like, no, I just want you to just tell me something that made me feel good. I'm like, all right, I can, I can tell you, hey, you're great, right? Uh, but sometimes it's like, you know, you're actually wrong in this. And you should fix it. But only when it's welcomed. I do it with my wife also. My wife will come home and she'll be telling me about X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, all right, babe, what do you want from me? And she'll be like, what do you mean? I was like, well, do you want me to just hold you while you vent or cry or whatever? Do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to give you advice? Do you want me to agree? And at different points, the answer might be different. She'll just say, babe, I just need you to just hold my hand while I just work through this. I'll say, okay, I can do that. And I'll just sit with you. And some days she's like, I'm angry and I need you to be angry. I'm like, yeah, she should not have done it. <laughs> right? And I, I, I'm, I'm, I can be all things to all versions of her. And some days she's like, I just need to know what to do. And I'll say, well, here's where I think you should go with it. But if you realize I knocked on that door and I did not take a step foot in that house until I was invited in. And many of us infringe on people's spaces because we enter without being given permission to enter. Learn to stay home. Number three, practice guarding your heart. Practice guarding your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I, kinda, I, I was looking at this, the, this passage in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, and I want to break down some words for you. Very important. The word keep translated to guard, to maintain, or to preserve. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Keep means to guard, maintain, or preserve. The word diligence meant to guard as a prison, as a guard to a prison, as a guard to a prison. So we see this. Keep thy heart with all diligence can be translated to guard your heart as a man would assume his post at a prison. 
Now think about, the goal, think about what a prison guard does. He has two functions. Number one, to keep what needs to be kept in, in. Right? We don't want inmates escaping. We don't want to do that. But there's also a second goal. We need to keep what's out that's not supposed to be in, out. So if we are guarding our heart as a prison guard, as that postman, we are keeping in, right? I will hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But we're also keeping out the things that should not be. The Bible says, free youthful lust. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Walk in light as he is in the light. To stay away from the darkness, right? And so scripture lets us know that we have a responsibility as the postmen, as the postwomen for our heart to keep what's in, in hiding God's word in our heart and working on establishing biblical growth and biblical wisdom, but keeping out all the stuff that the world and the flesh and the enemy is trying to use because it's important to realize this. It doesn't just say keep thy heart with all diligence, but for out of it are the issues of life. And last time I checked, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all who can know it. I can't trust my heart, yet out of it comes all the issues of my life. I got to do a good job of guarding what's in there. And in today's time, there is more stuff trying to get into our heart than ever. Social media technology was a blessing and a curse. I can access my family who live on the other side of the country. Yeah, but then there's also porn. And there's also uh, violence. And there's also gruesome things. And the Bible says, I, have, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I, I have made a covenant with the Lord. I will never look upon a maid. We see scriptures saying that it's important to watch the window. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. We got to guard our heart. Guard what we listen to. Right? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Get out of the way of the places that are trying to stop you from being like God. Are you guarding your heart? Are you guarding your heart? How are you going to set healthy boundaries with others when you can't even look out for you? We so quickly begin to fix our eyes on how to put that barrier up with others, and we have no intrinsic barriers with ourselves. Baby, there's no way you're going to be able to respect or set anything or respect anything that anybody else has because you haven't even started developing the intrapersonal discipline that is necessary for you to be able to keep what's in, in, and keep what's out, out. And you want to hold someone else to it? But what do we see way back at the beginning? You got to consider yourself. You got to be able to love yourself. That's how you can love your neighbor. Nourish and cherish, your, cherish yourself. That's how you can nourish and cherish your wife. It begins with you. Bear the burdens of others, yes, but you have to bear the burdens of yourself in Galatians 6.5. It starts with you. How good are you doing with guarding your heart? So first... Healthy boundaries, number one, consider yourself before you consider others. Number two, know your place. Stay home. Number three, practice guarding your heart. Number four, practice healthy self-care. Practice healthy self-care. Pastor Xavier, what are you seeing self-care in the Bible? I'm about to show you. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Who knows who they're talking about right here? 
It's Jesus. Taking time in the morning to rise up, up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed, taking care of his spiritual needs. Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Who are they talking about? Jesus. So what can we see that's important about the way that we care for ourselves? I'm not going to dive too much into it about like physically, mentally, emotionally, physical, physiologically, as, as extensionally. We're not going to do all of that. We're going to kind of group it all together. But how do you work on this? Some quick takeaways to practice healthy self-care. Number one, do it early. Do it early. How many times did you not read your Bible in the morning? And then you got to the afternoon and you already had been through some stuff, had some issues with some coworkers, went through some things, and then you opened your Bible to the next part of your devotional plan and it was exactly what you needed. That ever happened to you? It's happened to me. A day filled with anxiety and then I opened my Bible and it was like, cast your care on him for he cares for you. I was like, well, I could have used that at 8 o'clock this morning when my, when my coworker was doing what they were doing. Do it early. But it's not, it's, again, we can, we can apply prayer and devotionals uh, to it, but it's, it's self-care as a whole. Check this out. Do it before doing anything else. Do it before doing anything else. I am, and you might think I'm crazy, but I am a workout in the morning kind of person. So I lift weights three days a week, and I do calisthenics the other days of the week. And I do that in the morning. And what I've noticed is that when I work out first thing in the morning, it helps me have a really good day. Because when the days that I miss it, I start crashing around 12.31, getting really sleepy. But I notice on the days where I can work out first, have my protein shake first, have breakfast, get a shower, I feel so much more prepared for the day. And I feel like I navigate my days much better when I start with preparing my day with those. Check this out. Do it in solitude. Do it in solitude. And the two passages that we saw, we saw Jesus getting away into the wilderness, getting away after feeding the 5,000 up into the mountain, getting alone with God. Getting alone with God. We have to get into the habit of being able to step away from be, to be able to be recharged. And just something important to kind of rem remember, we talked about this a little bit in the Q&A portion last week, uh, but being an introvert or being an extrovert is not so much about whether you like people or not. It's more about do you, are you recharged by people or are you drained by people? So growing up, I'm I was naturally an extrovert, very high energy, very crazy. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've become more of an, an ambivert, meaning that there are mo some days where I'm like, man, I had a whole time spending time with my friends or hanging out with some of the other staff guys. And then when we left, I was like, man, I could have used some more of that. And then there are other days where I'm like, y'all got to go. <laughs> Gabe, you got to get out of my office, brother. I'm tired, right? About being recharged. But we have to be able to learn the power of solitude and being able to get away to be refilled. It's, it's, it's prayer, but what else is it? It's devotions, but what else is it? Who needs to be able to be eating better as part of self-care? Getting more time, getting more sleep, right? Getting more time with, with, with your social support, drinking more water, going to see your primary care provider, starting therapy. Who needs, in order to be able to set healthy boundaries, we got to have a healthy self, not only view, but a, a, a very healthy place of being able to set time apart with ourselves so that we can be better vessels of, of, of outpouring to others. Okay? So number one, consider yourself before you consider others. Number two, know your place. Stay home. 
Number three, practice guarding your heart. Number four, practice healthy self-care. And number five, establish a healthy respect for others. Establish a healthy respect for others. Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What's this also called, this passage? I heard it. Who said it? The golden rule. It's the golden rule. We have to establish a perspective that I want to do to others what is what I would expect for me. So if I want someone to respect my boundaries, I should probably make it a habit of respecting the boundaries of others. Because that's what I would want. That's what, that's what I hope that, that I would get. And so healthy boundaries comes out of a healthy respect for other people. So now we're transitioning more from the intrinsic to more of the external components. Your boundaries stop where someone else's boundaries begin. That's the line. That's the line. Your boundaries stop where someone else's boundaries begin. So many of us are infringing, going back to that third point of being, going into people's houses where you have not been invited to be. Are you, are you overstepping? Are you going too far? Are, are you treating that person the way that you would want to be treated? Some kind of things to look at, right? We want to respect, like the passage says, respect people in all the ways that you would want to be respected. So that looks like how would you want someone to talk to you? You're yelling an awfully lot. You're being awfully condescending. You're being very invalidating. Is that how you would want me to talk to you? That would make you mad. That would make you angry. That would hurt your feelings. And yet we do it to people all the time. How would you want someone to act toward you? How would you feel if I took that from you? How would you feel, how would you feel if I did this act that, that you just did to me? If I froze you out the way that you freeze me out? If, if, if I embarrassed you in front of others the way that you embarrassed me? How would you want someone to act toward you? How would you want someone to consider you? That's the whole premise of this, entire, of this entire thing is are you doing a good job of shifting your attention from just an I focus to an us focus, from a me focused to a we focused? Because when we shift our mentality from I to us and from me to we, what we begin to do is become more considerate of other people. I'm going to jump way ahead. You know what's something that's important about Ephesians chapter 5? is that it outlines the roles of a husband and a wife. Husbands or wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For he is the head of the, he is the head of the home. I'm going to mix it up. But as he's the head of the home, just as Jesus is the savior of the body. But then it also says, husbands love your wives. As Christ of the church and gave himself forth that he might present a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Why is that important? Because God has given the husband and the wife a champ, a role to champion. Wife, champion submission. Husband, champion love. Now check this out. 
If I am showing you a lot of love, what are you going to be inclined to do? If I give you a lot of love, what are you going to be inclined to do? Love me back. If she's working hard to submit to him, what is he naturally going to want to do? Submit back. What does that mean? Right? So my household, for an example, of course, like asterisk, we do not have a perfect marriage and none of those other things, but I'm just doing what, I'm just doing what the book says. Right? So if I'm doing things and, and, my, and Kalea allows me to lead our home as, as, our, as her husband, and she does a great job doing that, that when she finally puts her foot down and is like, I really am not comfortable with doing that, guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to go. She's allowed me to lead. She's allowed me to be her husband. So at the moment when she is like, uh, 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 I'm like, shoot, you heard the woman. We ain't going. What you looking at me for? We're not going. You heard the boss. But if I love her and love her and love her, she is going to want to love me back. If I love her in her, I'm going to take a step further. If I love her in her love language, she will be more inclined to love me back in mine. So here's the other part. Y'all are getting, this is free. This isn't even part of the lesson. What it's doing is creating a cycle of consideration or a cycle of selflessness. There, if I am loving my wife the way that, she's supposed, that I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church, is she is submitting unto her husband, uh, her own husband, as, 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 as because I'm the head of the home, then what that's going to do is that's going to constantly having me love her while she's loving me. I'm submitting to her while she's submitting to me. And guess what's happening? Now there are no laps. Laps meaning L-A-P-S-E. There's no laps. There's no gaps. We can both move forward. I can, and check this out. I'll take this a step further. Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God, right? We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, right? Our loins girded about with truth, the shield of faith, the sword of truth. But guess what? There is no armor piece for the back. Have you ever thought about that? There is no extra protective piece for the back. Number one, because you're supposed to be moving forward. Number two, because God's got your back. Whoa! <laughs> We're designed, and I know I spent some time talking about the romantic side, but that applies to us platonically as well. As you spend time considering others, they are going to want to now consider you. And as I have your back, you have mine. There is, there is, there is nothing. It's like we're surrounded. But as long as we stay back to back to back, no one's caught off guard. I'm watching your six. You're watching my three. We got this. We got this. The problem is we've been selfish. And I'm going to love me but not love you. I want to do my own thing but not submit to you. And now where there's supposed to be no lapses in spaces, now there's plenty of them. Plenty of gaps. Which means that when there are gaps, guess what? Both you and I are vulnerable. It's not just me. It's you and I who are both vulnerable. And so when we don't put ourselves in a position to respect others, consider others, talk to them how they want to be spoken to, treat them how we want to be treated, consider them like we want to, like we want to be considered, you end up fighting for yourself and a house divided cannot stand. Did you know that the, 
Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus says, Peter, the devil desires to sift you as wheat. But guess what the Bible also says? In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friends. If any of you be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, receive such a one, that he may be healed. This power in community. Two is better than one, because if one falls and no one's there to help him, he can't get up. Or if, there, if there's two, then you can warm the other person. Scripture lets us know that there's power in numbers. A threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. That's not just a spiritual thing, but that's a relational thing as well. Wolves are powerful, but they're, not, they're, only, as, they're only really powerful when they're hunting in packs. It takes a whole herd of, of lions or a pack, pack of lions to take down an elephant. It's important for us to put, a, a, put ourselves in a position of respect for others. So number one, consider, yourselves, consider yourself before you consider others. Number two, know your place. Number three, practice guarding your heart. Number four, practice healthy self-care. Number five, establish a healthy respect for others. And now we're going to switch over to our therapist hat. I want to give you six quick things. I'm not going to park there because I want to give us time for questions. Some quick practical things. Number one, develop self-awareness. That's how you start this. You want to be able to be a good boundary setter. Be good with boundaries. Be able to be a master of boundaries. Develop self-awareness. You won't know something is a boundary if you don't know what bothers you. Have you been reflecting on yourself? Have you been reflecting on what your, what your needs are? What are those? What are, your, what are those? Um, oh, that's not yet. What are your values? What are your limits? What are your needs? This requires you to be compassionate, not just to others, but towards yourself. You have to be able to take time to identify your own needs and your own positions. And you cannot set healthy boundaries if you do not know what your needs are. Second, identify your boundaries. Identify your boundaries. What is something I don't want to see? What is something that I don't want said to me? What is something that triggers me? Now that you've become aware, you have to now say, okay, these are the things that I don't like. Now I have to set them. Some of us want, us to res want people to respect boundaries that people don't even know we have. And now you're mad at that person about something they did not know that you want them to do. Check this out. People are not mind readers. God blessed you with a mouth. Use it. Use it. You have to identify your boundaries. But third... You have to set those boundaries. People won't respect a boundary that you don't set. We have to stop having unhealthy expectations of people to consider needs that we have not verbalized. So you can see the progression. Develop a self-awareness. Identify what those boundaries are. Then set them. But number four, check this out. Hold your boundaries. Hold your boundaries. 
The first three points are not enough. It's not just enough to be aware. It's not just enough to identify the boundaries. It's not just enough to set the boundaries, but you have to hold the boundaries. We identify and establish boundaries, but they crumble when people push them. And people will push a boundary. They will push this boundary if they know that you are willing to move the line. They will not respect a boundary that you do not hold. And so if I say, hey, don't talk to me like that. And then they come back and they talk to you like that and you don't say anything. And guess what they're going to do? Talk to you the exact same way the next time. But if every time you say, hey, you, you talk to me, right? Or don't talk to me. You, you respect this, that I, this, this need that I have of you or, or don't talk to me. They'll either stop or they'll move along. But we set the boundary, but we don't hold it. And if you let it crumble, they will walk all over your line. All over it. So develop self-awareness. Identify your boundaries. Set your boundaries. Hold your boundaries. Number five, identify the boundaries of others. Identify the boundaries of others. If it bothers them, it should be enough for you to refrain. Remember what I said earlier? Your boundaries stop. Your rights stop where my rights begin. That's the line. If it bothers them, it should be enough for you to refrain. If you see it, work toward respecting it. Work toward respecting it. If you're able to identify that need, then work toward doing what they asked. And lastly, respect the boundaries of others. It's not just going to be enough to identify that someone has a boundary. You have to respect it. Realize that if you don't respect people's boundaries, it will have adverse effects. Failing to respect someone's boundary may cost you trust, respect, and eventually the relationship. Why? Because no one wants to stick around someone they don't feel safe with. Nobody wants to stick around someone that they can't feel autonomous around. So a great way to blow a relationship is by not respecting someone's space. Point number three, stay home. Stay home. And if you're not going to stay home, then don't just barge in. You knock. And if they don't answer or tell you that they're not interested, well, then it's time for you to stop soliciting, friend. But sometimes when you knock and you let them know, hey, I care, you allow them to have the space to know that I am available for you, and then they'll come and find you when they're ready. But that's as far as you go if that's as far as they let you go. So boundaries, in a nutshell, this starts with you. Understanding your need, having a healthy view of self, but also having a healthy view of others. And once you do that, you can work toward doing these things, developing self-awareness, identifying your boundaries, setting your boundaries, holding your boundaries, identifying the boundaries of others, and then respecting the boundaries of others. Now check this out. What you're going to find out is that over the eight weeks, all of the different things that we're going to talk about are going to compound. I'm going to give you these different things in pieces because they stack like blocks. How can you be a good boundary setter if you're not a good communicator? You can't. 
if you're not clear and concise with what you need, if you're not an active listener, if you're not good with your own body language, then that's the first point. Develop self-awareness. You can't do that. You're already in the hole. You missed. You, already, you can't even get to the other five. It starts with you. You have to be able to be a healthy communicator in order for you to be a healthy boundary setter. When we come back next week, we're going to add another block, and that's conflict resolution. It's going to be conflict. You cannot engage in healthy conflict resolution if you do not first start with being a good communicator and then follow that up with being a good boundary setter. Because as you communicate your thoughts, needs, and feelings from an objective standpoint, and you set boundaries from a healthy standpoint, that will posture you toward having the best possible outcome in your conflict resolution. That's how this works. So stay tuned. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for your son. We thank you again, God, that you are an intentional God. Father, I pray that as we work toward stewarding the relationships that you have in a healthy, that you've given us in a healthy way. Father, I pray that you would help us to work toward being these things by your help, by your grace. Father, it starts with you and then it trickles down to us and then goes out into all the other people. So God, we ask you for your help because you're the only one that can provide it. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen.